1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And um, really, really, really want you to become not just familiar with these verses, but for these verses, these passages to become woven into you, for them to become a part of you. Um, these verses are, are central to what I believe Father is saying to us through the Holy Word and through the Holy Spirit, of course the Word being Jesus, through Jesus and His Spirit, um, not just as we begin this year, but, but I mean, these are life verses. Sometimes I refer to a verse like Matthew 6, as a life verse. It was just one that we need to build our lives on, listen to, follow day in and day out. And so same is true with this passage. All right, um, let me read the passage. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested, revealed, made known to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Sometimes I'm asked by people, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? And there's not a whole lot of difference, but there is one major difference. And it begins with preaching is simply a declaration of truth. It's a, it's, it's a declaration of what God has said, a declaration of of what God, God has done. It's, it's, a, it's someone telling good news from heaven. Amen. That's, that's, a, that's a preacher. So if you, if you think of someone that, um, that announces some really good news, okay, um, that's an evangelist because before the word was ever used in relationship to someone in the church, it was used of messengers in, in the secular world that, that would bring, um, you know, and declare good news uh, via, you know, messages. And they didn't have all the modern technology that we have in their day. Teaching, of course, is taking what's declared and breaking it down, explaining it. it you know, it's, 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 it's more uh, tedious. It, you know, you can, you can take and declare, you know, uh, 15 verses of truth, uh, but then teaching would be, you know, maybe taking one word from those 15 verses and, 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 and teaching on that word for weeks, you know. So that's teaching. Amen. So John says that what he has seen, first of all, let's go back to verse 2. He said the life was manifested. Now, that word manifested, you may not use that word very much in, in your, you know, everyday conversations. But it's a really, really important Bible word and you'll find it you know, throughout the scriptures. So the idea of something being manifested, it's something being brought to light. It's something being made known. Something that's previously not seen, not understood, not recognized, that now all of a sudden it's like it's been unveiled. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's a show on uh, cable television, American Restoration. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show. And it fascinates me because, man, these guys will take stuff that's just looks like it's ready for the junk heap, and by the time they get through with it, it's, it's a work of art. 
But every time the customer comes back to see whatever it is that they've left with them to be restored, they always have it a blanket, or not always, but most of them they try to put it under a blanket. And then they what? They manifest it. They jerk that cover off. They, they jerk that, that, that sheet off or whatever it is. And boom, there it is, right? Well, that's what happened when Jesus came. It, it, Jesus had been talked about ever since the Garden of Eden. I mean, Father God talked about him coming in the Garden of Eden. So all throughout the Old Testament, you know, it's all pointing to Jesus. Every, every lamb that was sacrificed was foreshadowing of the day Jesus would be the spotless lamb and be sacrificed for us and on and on and on. And so what John is saying here is that, I'm going to go back to verse 1. I know we've read these verses a few times, but let's go back to verse 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, right? Started out by hearing, but he says, which we have heard, now we've seen with our eyes. We've looked upon our hands of handle concerning the word of life. And it's capital W there, right? Because that's Jesus. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. And the, simple, the simplest way I know how to explain that to you because it's, it'll never be understood unless it's understood by some measure of faith in your own heart. But... Jesus is a living, breathing expression of God's divine intelligence. In other words, when you think in terms of words, you take thoughts and you package them into words and you release them so that you can convey or communicate those thoughts. So Jesus is a living, breathing expression of who Father God is, how He thinks. It's the Word of God made flesh. That's why His Word is not... You know, our word, you know, even in 21st century, you know, we talk about a man's word and the importance of it being his bond and you're only as good as your word, so forth and so on. All of that stuff has roots in our creator because, you know, he literally is not just as good as his word, he is his word in the sense that Jesus came as the son of God. And so this is where he gets this title, the word of God, not talking about the, the written pages, but who he was on this earth in human form and who he is still today. He said the life was manifested. The life was manifested. Now this word for life here, and um, it just so happens that we're on this part in discipleship class. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10 to a group of living people, I've come to give you life. Now the importance here is that he wasn't referring to the kind of life or the quality of life that they currently possessed, but he was talking about life on a different level. So in the Greek language, the word bios is used for physical or biological life, but we see that the life of God, this life that was manifested is the zoe, Z-O-E. And this is speaking of the life and nature of God. So when he says the life was manifested, I want you to consider what he's saying here. The zoe was manifested. The life and nature of God has been revealed. The life and nature of God has been seen among men. We saw Him. We heard about Him. Then we saw Him. Then we touched Him, looked upon Him, handled Him. He says, we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. For what purpose? Obviously so that we can have life. Obviously so that we can be forgiven for our sins. Obviously so that we can be born again. 
obviously so that we can uh, be delivered from sin and delivered from the consequences of sin, which is death. Obviously so we don't go to hell when we die. Obviously so that we can have a, a victorious life here on planet earth. All of these things, right? But that is not, please hear me, none of those things, as important as all those things are, and certainly they're covered, certainly they're, I don't know if implied is the right word, but implied um, in what Jesus has done for us. But notice what he says, that you also, not may, that you also may go to heaven, that you may also be forgiven for your sins, that you may also uh, be delivered from the power of sin, that you may also have authority over the devil, that you may also be in the kingdom, that you may, there's all these things, but that's not what he said, right? That you may also have what? Fellowship with us. That you may also have fellowship with us. And truly. And what we said that word truly is there for? Because he's fixing to give you something that will just absolutely sell right over your head if you don't prepare yourself to receive it. Like we might say it this way, dude, I'm not kidding. I'm serious right now. Right? I know this is going to sound really far out there for you, but this is 100%. True and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, these things, and this is a written sermon, this is a written declaration, right? That your joy may be full. I'm offering to you tonight that what's expressed in these verses is actually representative of. Big words, pardon the big words. It, it's a culmination. It's, 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 the Bible is a story. I mean, it's a true story, but it's a story. It tells a story. The Bible tells a story. 66 books all telling the same story. And a lot of times we think, well, you know, this story is about the fall of man. This story is about, you know, the, the depths, uh, you know, into depravity that man can descend and blah, blah, blah. All, yeah, I mean, all of that's in there. But what is the story really about? Certainly not a comedy. Some may say, well, it's a drama. Some may even say it's a thriller. Some may say it's a tragedy. But the reality of it is, it's a love story. It's a story of your Creator and Heavenly Father's love for you, desire for you, longing for you. And what we have contained in these first two verses, without any stretch, without any having to massage it or anything like that, I'm telling you, it's a culmination of what the entire story is about. In other words, Fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to me very carefully now. Listen to me very carefully. We talked last Sunday night about covenants. And we said that covenants are important for a lot of reasons, but the main reason and the most important thing you need to understand about a covenant is that covenant creates a relationship. A marriage covenant between a man and a woman before God creates a marriage relationship which God becomes involved in and makes the one, the two one. That's why he says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. 
Covenants create relationships. The Bible is a story, a book that contains covenants. We could even say it's a book of covenants. And we see that there are the old covenants and then there's the new covenant. There's the covenant that began to be foreshadowed in the Garden of Eden, then came into full view with Moses, I'm sorry, with Abraham, and then was renewed with all of God's people through Moses. But then came Jesus. Jesus came to establish a new covenant and He established it with His own blood and the new covenant that He established for us is an eternal covenant. Hear me now, this is important. It's an eternal covenant. Now, we thank God for the covenant God made with Abraham, but it wasn't eternal. Thank God for the covenant that was renewed with Moses. It wasn't eternal. Okay? But the one that we have now is eternal. What does that mean? It means it'll never change. Now, again, covenant creates relationship. So the covenant that we live under now creates a relationship between you and God, me and God, us and God. We can even say it that way. It creates a relationship. I'm just trying to walk you through it like a Philadelphia lawyer. So follow this very carefully, okay? It creates a relationship. But because it is an eternal covenant, it has created an eternal relationship. Anybody here believe life in heaven one day is going to be better than we got it right now? Yeah, it's going to be better, right? Here's the thing you've got to understand. The covenant that we will one day live under in heaven is the same covenant that we have right now. There will be no addendums. There will be no added privileges. There will be no added benefits to the covenant. Now, it'll be easier for us to experience them in heaven, but everything that's covered one day in heaven is also covered right now. That's why Jesus gave us the authority to pray, Father, thy kingdom come, the power and authority and resources of the kingdom come to earth so that your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, it's an eternal covenant, creates an eternal relationship. Now, of all the things that will change, when we transition from here to there, and I, I'm not trying to, amen, just go with me for a moment. The one thing that will never change is fellowship. Are you understand what I'm saying here? This, this is the peace that is most important. When time is no longer counted on clocks and calendars, and when this earth, this earth or this world, I was, this world, right? Amen. This world and earth, this, this world as we know it is no longer as it is right now. You do know that this world will, it's, it's an eternal planet, but there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. One day this, this well, I don't want to say earled, right? This, I just create a new term here. We just go with it. this earled. One day this earled. No. One day this earth Romans 8 says, are you ready for this? That Adam subjected this earth to vanity and bondage. But one day, that day's still in the future, but one day this earth is going to be redeemed like we have been redeemed. 
Now, here's the point that I feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to help us understand. The one thing that will remain the same, even if our location changes to heaven and then when we come back to the earth it's different, the one thing that will remain the same is fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's forever. It's eternal. I'm a bit reluctant to comment on the AM services because I know a lot of you are worshiping elsewhere or were not you know, able to come this morning. Um, about as unique a service as we've had in 20 years around here, but that's okay. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what happened? And, and there, there was literally a sermon, and I don't know how to say this. Sometimes I preach a sermon, sometimes a sermon preaches me. I, I don't know how to say that other than it's, it's, you know, the prophet said it was like fire in his bones. And there was a sermon this morning that was burning inside of me as as is most, I wish I could tell you every single time I walk up here, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like you, right? I'm just, we're going by faith, man, you know. But there was a sermon burning inside of me, and it caught me on fire. And I don't know how to, I, that, and, and these, you know, it's like, it's like if, if the fire jumps out of the ring with the rocks, and how great a matter a little fire kindles. It like spills over. This is, I don't know if you remember, because maybe the most important words, might have, no, I don't, I'm not going to say that, but these were perhaps the most important words, or at least these were the few words that set the whole thing on fire, okay? Would to God. Would to God that we long for Him the way He longs for us. One of the most prolific authors, Christian authors of our day, is a man named uh, Max uh, Lucado. Some of you have probably read some of Max Lucado's books. Max Lucado is also a pastor. He preaches. And I heard him say something one time that has really impacted me. He said that writing makes him a better preacher and preaching makes him a better writer. And part of the reason why that's so registered with me is because writing is something that I've been put on this earth to do. And here of late, I have found myself doing more writing and then when I get in front of you doing more reading. And it's just a new thing that I believe the Holy Spirit is helping to sharpen in my own life. I've actually began at the foundry to read a section of a book that I'm writing to them on, on, in my Monday morning class. And um, sometimes I feel like that you know, 51-year-old guy that steps out on the stage of America's Got Talent, you know, and opens his mouth to sing for the first time in front of people, not knowing whether he can do it or not, right? You got to put yourself out there. That's not just a word for me, it's a word for all of us. In my efforts 
to summarize, when you have 66 books and it's a really long story, it can sometimes be easy for us to get off track, right? Because there's lots of side routes, right? I mean, there's lots of things in God's Word. I've often said that one of the key ways to study the Bible is a way that we've already mentioned tonight. That's to study the covenants of the Bible. And you can study the whole Bible studying covenants. Another way is to study the blessing. Follow the blessing. Follow the blessing, right? God blessed Adam. Amen. And how that blessing was lost, how it was restored, and how it was passed down all through the different descendants of Abraham until Jesus came. And then because of Jesus, the Bible says the blessing of Abraham is now upon us, those who have been born of the seed of God. Another way is to follow the bloodline, or as a hunter may say, follow the blood trail. There's a blood trail that runs from the Garden of Eden all the way through to the book of Revelation. They overcame by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb, and by loving not their own lives even unto death. It's another way to study the Bible. Okay. Well, the Lord is showing me yet another way, and that's to follow the fellowship. Because what we see in the Garden of Eden amongst you know, all the other things is that God fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. He went and hung out with them. He spent time with them in the same way that you and I enjoy spending time with people that we love, sharing things with people that we love, people who are close to us. We didn't like randomly, you know, develop that through some process of evolution over thousands of years. We have that because we were created in the image and likeness of God. Our desire for fellowship. We were created with such a powerful desire for fellowship. Think about this. When it was only Adam and God in the Garden of Eden and no one else, God said, this isn't good, Adam. It wasn't like Adam went to God and said, hey, God, you know, I love you and everything, but dude, somebody like me only... A woman would be nice to cuddle up to at night. No, he didn't say that. God said, it's not good for you, Adam, to be alone. We were created by God to have fellowship with him and to have fellowship with other people. So when we follow that fellowship through the word of God, we see, and that's what we were making an effort towards last week, we see all of these different opportunities. For instance, Enoch, he walked so closely with God that one day God just, he didn't die. He, God just translated him, kind of like Elijah, only with just you know, less fire and chariot, right? But a fiery chariot came and, and out of heaven and took Elijah. He didn't die. And of course, many believe, and I happen to be among them, that these will be the two witnesses, Enoch and Elijah, in the end times. But we know that Enoch walked closely with his God. And then we see men like Moses, and God called Moses a friend. <laughs> and said that Moses taught with God face to face. Of course, Abraham, man, how can we forget Abraham, right? All the way back. The Bible says he was a friend of God. 
And, and he believed God and was given right standing with God because of his faith long before Jesus ever came to pay for that right standing. Wow. We mentioned last week, you know, God's people crossing from Egypt into their promised land. God wanted to be with them. I mean, I'm being a little bit silly here, but, you know, the kids are having a camp out, and Dad wanted to be with them. He wanted to be in the tent with them. Are you just what I'm saying? And we could talk about the tabernacle and the inner gate and the outer gate. And I said, no, he just wanted to be with them. He wanted to be amongst them. He wanted to be close to them. Even though their sin prevented him from really having the kind of fellowship that he longed to have with them, it didn't matter. He still wanted to be right there. And then we see Jesus. It's somewhere in my notes. We probably won't get to it tonight. But when I begin to consider that, I, there's a print, there's a, I put it in parentheses at the bottom of one of my notes, and it just simply says this. Oh, my Father, what have you done? What have you done? You, you ever, I'm not trying to put some negative slant on this, but we mentioned Smith Wigglesworth, Wigglesworth this morning. He was such a passionate man who was so bold for his God, our God. And people would often say of him, one of these days he's going to go too far. One of these days he's going to go too far. No, there's one of these days his boldness is going to come back to bite him, you know. He didn't let none of that stop him. None of that stop him. His neighbor was sick, and he'd actually went and prayed for his neighbor a time or two. And his neighbor died, and he knew it in his spirit, but he also knew it from the screaming and wailing of his neighbor's wife. Smith's wife saw that look on his face, and she says, what are you fixing to do? He went over and snatched that dead man's body out of the bed, threw him against the wall, and told him to live. You know what happened? He slumped to the floor, dead as he ever was. You know what he did next? I'm sorry, I must have missed God. No, he grabbed him again and threw him against the wall again and told him to live. And he started coughing and he came back to life. Now, first of all, it's really bold to step on out there, but then when you throw them against the wall and it don't work. That's where a lot of us would have tried to bow out gracefully, right? My condolences, madam. We'll be praying for you and the family, right? No, 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 no. You understand going too far one of these days, you're going to go too far? God became a man and dwelt among us. Oh, my Father, what have you done? You think some of the angels, the Bible says they don't understand his love for us. Something they long to look into. You wonder if any of them were wondering if he went too far this time. But here he is. Right here with us. It's his desire, his longing 
for us. I want to try to go through a few of these if I could, please. I know I'm about out of time. Just a minute, okay? You're going to hear this more than once. At some point, it'll be something in written form we can put in your hands. Number one, you were created by God for fellowship with Him. You were created by God for fellowship with Him. Fellowship with God is why you exist. Let me stay focused here, praise God. Fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for man. Nothing is more important to him, and therefore nothing should be more important to you. I think people call these bullet points. You understand a bullet point? It's a bullet point, in other words, just a list of points, right? So this is bullet point number two. Fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for man. Nothing is more important to him, and therefore nothing should be more important to you. The sweet spot of life is when you and God are on the same page. Sweet spot of life is when you're in alignment with Him. You're in agreement with Him. That's why I tell you the best advice you could ever give anybody is to agree with God and agree with Him quickly. If there's conflict between two human beings, more than likely there's some error on both sides of that relationship that need to be worked through. There's some things that both parties, business relationship, whatever, that they need to change. They could do better to have you know, closer fellowship. But see, with God, He's never made a mistake. So if there's a problem in the relationship, the problem's always going to be on my side and your side. When the Lord blessed us with His property, it was not zoned for this type of assembly. Um, It was zoned uh, an industrial Zoning, I, those of you who, I could pull the papers on it, I can't remember all that now, it's so many years ago. But. So obviously in order to build a church here, we had to get it rezoned. And, you know, it's, you know praying, believing, and, and uh, Glenn Wadsworth was helping us, he was our realtor in those days, and he, he said, look, Pastor Mark, you don't have anything to worry about here. He said, you're going to a higher and better use. In other words, if a community can take a piece of property that was zoned you know, for an industry and rezone it for commerce and put a Costco or a Walmart or something like that on it, right? then the communities, they consider that an upgrade. You understand what I mean? So that was where I first came or was first introduced to the concept of highest and best. Highest and best. So again, fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for man. It's not that we can't do other things. It's not, it's not even that God, you know, didn't create us to do other things. He absolutely did. 
But there is nothing higher and there is nothing better for us than fellowship with God. It's, it's our highest and best purpose. Now we'll make some other points about that and, and I, I want to just kind of settle in right here for just another minute and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Amen. Call it a night. When we talk about highest and best, there's another word then, and it's a Bible word, that we need to conjoin to this, okay? And that is the word glory. The glory of a thing is when that thing is functioning at its highest and best. So as I've said a hundred times, an eagle sitting on a branch is beautiful. I saw a hawk today. I mean, goodness gracious, huge hawk sitting on a branch. It was beautiful, low to the ground. And as, as beautiful as that hawk was on that branch, it's even more beautiful. That one would have probably had about a four-foot wingspan, maybe three to four foot. It was big. When that thing is soaring and catching a current, you understand, that's highest and best. That's when that thing is, in other words, a hawk can do more than sit. <laughs> I mean, a hawk can sit, but it's created for more than sitting. It's created for flying. Amen. It's created for dive bombing into a field and eating the mice that used to try to get in this church, right? That's why we've got them around here. Thank God. They eat them out of this field over here. There are, you know, if you're a cat lover, no offense, but I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're just a cat with wings. Let's just call them that. So you understand then highest and best is when a thing is operating at the highest and best level of its capability. We are capable of a lot of things. Nothing higher, nothing better, nothing more important than our capability to fellowship with God. No other created thing has that capability. Think about that now for a minute. No other thing has that capability. That is something unique to your existence. That is something unique to your creation. Now, I'm not going to have time to get to it tonight, but I want to just bring it up on the table, all right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God or the highest and best for which God created them. Why do we fall short of that? Why do we come up short? Why did we, you know, why were we the hawk with the broken wing, a hawk that can't fly? Sin. Sin did that. Sin made it impossible for us to have fellowship with God. Please hear me. Please, 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 please. This is why our Heavenly Father waged an all-out war on our sin. Not on us. You're the object of His affection and your sin was separating you from Him. So He declared war on my sin, on your sin and went to extreme lengths 
tremendous effort, unimaginable sacrifice, and unimaginable personal expense to himself to get your sin out of the picture altogether, once and for all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Well, amen. We made it to eight of 71 slides, if you're wondering, but that's all right. The Lord will give us the time to share these. Amen. I ask you this often, and there have been some that have questioned whether or not I should, and I don't, I'm, please know the heart that it's coming from, okay, when I, I'm about to ask you again, are you getting anything out of this? Is this, are you understanding this? Is this registering with something inside of you? Is there something? How many people in our world do we know, very successful, yet they say out of their mouth something's missing? You know, people that, you know, seem to have everything. Listen, how many, how many successful in life as far as the world standards, what have you, successful in life people, born again and spirit-filled, if they're honest, take off the spiritual religious mask and say, Something's missing. Just can't seem to put my finger on it, but something's missing. We start getting mad at ourselves. We start getting mad at God. We start getting mad at other people because they're not doing for us what we need done. Can I, can I tell you what it is? <laughs> or you want to tell me? It's fellowship. You'll never be satisfied without it. Be a billionaire with everything in the world to mask with your wealth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It still comes down to you'll never be satisfied unless you have fellowship with your Father. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Father, that the greatest evidence of your desire for fellowship with us is in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived among us. Thank you, Father, for helping us embrace these truths. Holy Spirit, we're asking for revelation tonight, impartation tonight, implantation tonight, a grafting of this word into our very souls Father, may a longing for fellowship with you become a key part of our personalities. And certainly, Father, make it the personality of this church. Make it the personality of this family of faith. Father, different churches are known for different things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, Father. Father, 
But I would like, Father, for this place to be known as the bunch who places fellowship with God above all else. Father, teach us to make your priorities our priorities. Teach us, Father, to make most important in our day what's most important in yours. It's the sweet spot of life, Father. If we haven't found it yet, help us find it. And for those who have found it, Father, may they never lose it. But may their intimacy and closeness with you only increase in the coming days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for being here today. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.